Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday with Professor Greg Cosell from NFL Films University and is presented, as always, by DraftKings, America's number one rated sports book app. They got some ridiculous basketball promos going on. Just make sure you use the code Ross and just make sure you do something, anything, so that you can call yourself a winner. I want winners. I want people that want to win. I'm talking about people that go the extra mile to help grow the show. By the way, anybody that's won in the last couple weeks, my daughter and I, she helped me. She likes doing the stamps and the envelopes. I signed cards and press passes. It's all in the mail. So everybody that was either the spread the word winner or the sponsor confirmation email winner, or the YouTube, well, YouTube shout out, you should get the shout out. But you know what I'm saying. It is in the mail. You will receive it. Love when you guys take a picture of it and post it on social media. The spread the word winner this week is Bob Cotting. He shared one of our Facebook posts, facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. I think that might be better than a like or a love. To actually share it, you share it, that means all your peeps see it. So, I'm, I'm, I'm into the share thing, kind of like a retweet on Twitter. So, Bob, let me know if you want a picture, press pass. I still have the Eagles press pass, AFC championship game. Still got some cool ones or a card or a picture. I got plenty of those. Sponsor confirmation email winner, Matt Brinley. Took advantage of our offer at 100 Flowers. Code football when you click on the radio icon in the upper right. Congratulations, Matt. Let me know what you want. And then the YouTube shout-out. So this is just someone that subscribes to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. They go ahead. They make any comment. I see it. Boom, you're the winner. And I'll do one of those cameo-style videos for you. So I'll get my phone. I'll record a video, 30 to 45 seconds, giving a shout-out, giving some love to whoever you want, including yourself if you want. And then, boom. You will be all set there as well with a cameo style shout out for free. All you have to do is subscribe to youtube.com 
slash Ross Tucker NFL. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. Every week, we get the wisdom of the one and only Greg Cosell. Very excited, by the way, because we are going to start a new series today for over the next eight weeks where we dive into the divisional breakdown of each team by division. Just Greg's, how would yeah. you describe it, Greg? Just kind of your thoughts of the division as a whole or your, well, your got- thing that you think are interesting about the teams? What, do you, what would you say? We'll see what comes out when we start, Ross, you know? I love that. You know, people need to understand, I don't know what you're going to ask me, and uh, we just see what kind of comes out as we start talking. Yeah, and you know, um, Greg, I do think it's important that we stay on the the current events as well. So this will be awesome over the next eight weeks. I'll ask you a couple things that things are going on in the NFL, right? and then we'll get your thoughts on a division uh, we'll start today actually with Adam Vinatieri. I know you break down a lot of kicker video over <laughs> yeah. here. I will say this though, and this is not necessarily something that you do a lot of. Just your thoughts as a guy that's been at NFL Films 42 years on the importance of the kicker position. Because there are so many teams for so many years, Greg, that had a guy just getting the minimum, doing an okay job. And then, but when you have a guy like this, like Vinatieri, it's just such a nice sense of security, I feel like. Well, I think it changes the way teams play tactically, and I think that's the important factor because how many times in a game, whether it's at the end of a half or at the end of a game, do you see teams play for a field goal as opposed to trying to score a touchdown necessarily because they feel very confident in their field goal kicker and also it dictates play calling because if you have a field goal kicker that you feel is very comfortable let's say 45 yards plus then that changes the way you might go about calling plays in a critical late in the half late in the game situation so field goal kickers are critical to me and again obviously you want your kicker to make kicks but they're critical in terms of how you approach offensive play calling in those critical situations at the end of half and end of games. You know, it's a really good point. I'd love to talk to coaches who have had both good and bad kickers and just kind of hear how it's affected them over the years. Cause that, by the way, that is something that people don't talk about that much. Like when there's a play call, you know, you know how it is, Greg. If it works, sure. it was a great play call. If it doesn't work, it was a terrible play call, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> the, the point I would make is people like coaches factor in all of these things. You know, they have to factor in what they think their kicker's range is that day, what the weather is. No question. You know, what their defense might be able to get done. That's That's a good point, I think, as it relates to kickers. What about, Greg, Julio Jones? It appears. As he as if he is going to go somewhere else. So I think the question for you is at age 32, I believe Julio's 32, what is he now? What is he still? Because obviously, you know how it goes. Everybody just remembers the, you know, him as being a dominant player, all those things. Is he still that? I'm not sure he's quite the same vertically. But I think as a route runner, he's still a big, explosive, powerful man. Um, I remember watching tape last year, and there were times uh, where I thought that uh, on, on 
vertical routes that he just didn't seem to quite have the same juice. But again, sometimes that's hard to tell Ross because he's such a big man. So he's not going to look like in the way he moves a, a 5'11", 185 pound guy. But my my sense is he's just not quite that guy, but I still think that he's a valuable receiver. He certainly can work the middle of the field. I mean, I can visualize right now a ton of those in-breaking routes that he runs, that he ran for years with the Falcons, those deep digs. He's really, really difficult on those. In his true prime, he was so good on crossers just running away from coverage because he was a big man who could stride and had speed. So he would just run away from people on crossing routes. You know what I like, Greg? I know over the last couple of years, you've said something to the effect of people talk about number one receivers. And we talk about the draft. Is he a number one? And then a team will have guys, well, he's there. He's a number one. And I think the point you made was a lot of that scheme and just because a guy gets the most targets on the team doesn't mean they're a true number one receiver like Julio Jones, essentially. And Julio Jones was certainly a big-time number one receiver. Size, speed. There's not many Julio Joneses just because of the size. I mean, I, I, you've seen him in person, right, Ross? Yeah, he's a really big dude. He's you know, a really big dude. That yeah. always – it's funny. Some of the guys that have been most impressive to me physically over the years have been receivers. Brandon Marshall, yep. big man. Who? Uh, Calvin Johnson – Big. I mean, people will be surprised at just when you're when you watch them on TV, Greg, and you know this, you don't realize just how big they are. Like they would be the biggest guy on a high school football field. By oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, last one before we dive into the NFC East. You know, Jordan Love is getting all the reps at the Packers OTAs right now. We know about the Aaron Rodgers situation. It's been well documented. And it's interesting, by the way, um, you know, Steve Fezzik on the Even Money podcast, he's our handicapper on the betting stuff. Right now, uh, Vegas essentially has there being a four and a half game difference between Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers, if you're into that kind of thing. Can you just give us a refresher on what he was coming out and what a reasonable expectation of him in year two could be? You know, he was an interesting guy to evaluate because his 2018 tape was really good. When you watched him in 2018, which I did uh, before his last year at, uh, at Utah State, you saw a lot of higher level traits. You thought this guy can be a scheme transcendent player, really good traits. And I think a lot of people saw him that way going into the 2019 season. And then the 2019 season, a lot of mechanical fundamental issues came out that really caused issues with his accuracy, his ball placement. He didn't throw with a firm base. His balance was off. He drifted. A lot of issues came up in his 2019 tape um, that were clearly concerning. But, you know, he was a first round pick. And, and it's very easy right now to say, which a lot of people are doing. I mean, I've had people on my on my Twitter account say that, well, if he came out now, there'd be 10 quarterbacks who would have been taken, you know, ahead of him in this draft. Those kinds of things are easy to say. So basically what people are saying is the Packers are idiots. And I doubt that that's the case. Um, there was, there's a lot to work with, with Jordan Love. 
Uh, I don't know what happened in his first year in Green Bay. I don't, you know, he probably didn't get many reps. I certainly don't know Jordan Love, so I can't speak to the mental element of the game. But physically, there are a lot of traits to work with. They drafted him for a reason. You have to ask yourself, why did the Packers trade up in the first round to draft Jordan Love? They didn't do it on a whim. They didn't do it because they're stupid. They did it for a reason. And we'll see. I mean, right now, if Aaron Rodgers does not play in Green Bay, in some ways, Matt LaFleur has an offense that he is, is kind of what his background is. He has two backs, the power back and the explosive back. And he would have a quarterback that would be a complimentary player within that context. That's what he would have if Jordan Love was the quarterback. You know, I think we talked about this a couple of years ago. I can add a little bit of insight here, Greg. I called a Wake Forest game the week after they played Utah State in 2019. That, and and I, I think they played Wake Forest the first game of the season. Yes. And then yeah. I called an Air Force game against Army the week after they played Utah State. In the Wake Forest game, he threw like three or four picks. He threw three touchdowns and three picks. I remember watching that game. But here's the thing. At least two or three other throws, he threw right to Wake Forest kids, and they dropped it. Yep. I mean, he – I I remember watching that game being like – I could see the physical traits, and I could see the ball coming out of his hand, but I thought, really? And then they played Air Force, Greg. I think they scored like three points. Yeah. Against Air Force. No, he was very – he had issues in 2019, and there's a lot of people who thought – based on his 2019 tape, that he was not a great prospect. But then you get into the issue of traits versus production versus what's coachable and what's teachable. And different people will have different views of that. You know, you know how it is, Ross, when it comes to evaluation of players. Evaluations, they don't normally work well. You know, we're doing we're doing a, a podcast now, and we're talking about it in a little depth. But normally, if you do a radio show or something like that, and you get two sentences, you can't speak to what a player is and and what his overall an analysis and evaluation is. So that's all people hear is what you can say in a sentence or two. These are conversations that teams have over the course of days, as you well know. So Jordan Love, there's a lot of positive traits, but there's a lot of concerns. So what can be taught? What can be coached? Can it be worked through? Does it ever get worked through? None of us know the answer to that. We're not there. You know, on the College Draft podcast, Greg, we've been going through the draft choices for each team, and we've been doing it on the AFC side. We did AFC East, AFC South, AFC North. We'll do AFC West next week. So on the divisional series with you, let's start with the NFC East. And I'm only looking for a little bit on each team. Is is there a team that you think – um, off the top of your head, is is clearly sort of the the team to watch in this division. Ooh, um, I mean, I think a team that to me is really interesting to see what they're going to be offensively are the Giants, because the Giants have addressed some offensive concerns, and Barkley ideally is back for a full season. We hope so. The Giants signed Kenny Galladay, who's a true X, a true boundary receiver, big, physical, can make contested catches. They drafted Kadarius Toney in the first round. He's kind of a multi-dimensional, multi-positional player. Um, 
as I said, you hope you have Barkley back. Daniel Jones going into his third year is probably in the minds of many in a similar situation to what Baker Mayfield was going into last year. Really solid rookie year, struggled in his second year. Where is he in his third year? The difference for the Giants is now becomes offensive line. But this is a team that I find intriguing because of their weapons. They are, they are not lacking for weapons when you look at their wide receiver group. And they still have Evan Ingram and they signed Kyle Rudolph, who's past the point of being a great receiver. But th- this team has a lot of weapons, Ross. And I, I find them to be an interesting team. Yeah, a lot of good points there, Greg. And it seems like with Galladay and Tony and Rudolph, they really want to know what they have in, in Daniel Jones this year. They really want to give him every opportunity to succeed. What about the Cowboys, Greg? They obviously get back Dak Prescott, which is huge. But they yep. bring in Dan Quinn on defense. They also drafted guys like Micah Parsons out of Penn State in the first round. He's been on the show recently. Kelvin Joseph in the second round. What 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 are you seeing and thinking about the Cowboys? Well, they address their defense with all their draft picks for the most part. So that's the area they know they needed to improve. They're expecting Dak at 100%. I thought Dak is clearly a guy that's improved every year. I think he's becoming a pretty high-level player. Um, so another team with a lot of weapons, a lot of weapons. So defensively is where you look for the improvement because you really don't want Prescott to throw it 45, 50 times a game. You really don't want any quarterback to do that, which he ended up doing last year. And so the numbers were there. Um, but yeah, they, Parsons, Joseph is a fascinating pick because he's had issues both at LSU and at Auburn. Um, but Kelvin Joseph is had first round traits as a corner and they drafted him in the second round. And assuming he does what he's supposed to do, you could well see him the starter on the outside opposite Trayvon Diggs. He's, he has those kinds of traits. So, and then they drafted D lineman in the third round and then, and a corner in the third round. So their, their feeling is that they're, they have what they need offensively and it's the defense that needs to be a, a consistent factor. Um, Again, I don't know what Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy's worldview is. Elliott was not exactly the same back last year that we've seen in the past. He's a little bit of a wild card here because I think they would probably like to run the ball more than they did last year and better than they did last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a couple Cowboys games, Greg, and it was clear as day that Tony Pollard had more juice than Zeke yep. when it came to getting to the hole. What about – and here we are, the, the defending division champs, and yet we talk about them third. They always are just kind of laying under the radar, the Washington football team, and now they have a new quarterback who should be an upgrade over what they got from that position last year. Yeah, I mean, look, say what you want about Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can line up and play. He's a professional quarterback. Um, and I think that uh, – They've got some pretty good weapons. McLaurin is a really good player. They signed Curtis Samuel. Um, they get Kelvin Harmon back from injury. They drafted Diami Brown in the third round. We'll see what he is. Um, we know about their defense. You know, I think the – and I thought a really good signing for their defense was William Jackson because William Jackson is a good corner. He can play man coverage. He's a good man-to-man corner, and I think they, they felt that they had to get a quality man-to-man corner. 
Plus, I love the pick in the first round of Jamin Davis from Kentucky, who I thought was a really good three-down linebacker prospect. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's a starter from day one. They're a really solid team. Um, I, I think that, you know, obviously Fitzpatrick has to be consistent week to week, but I think this is a really solid team. I think they would expect Antonio Gibson to continue to improve as a feature type back. He certainly has the size to do it. Um, it's the offensive line that is the potential concern here. And you might even say it's a weakness at this point in time until they see how some things play out through the OTAs and training camp. Yeah, they, it's interesting. They've moved on from Morgan Moses and Christian, sort of the swing tackle. In comes Charles Leno Jr., Sam Cosme in the second yeah. round. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out up front for Washington. Last but definitely not least, Greg, Philadelphia Eagles, every power ranking that's out there seems to have the Eagles as one of the five worst teams in the NFL. <laughs> I, I, I don't see that unless they are injury ravaged up front again. Well, I think that, you know, offensively, there's a question mark at quarterback, and that's why. Because Jalen Hurts will be given every opportunity to win this job. They want to know what they have with Jalen Hurts. And he's an unknown at this point because his four starts last year were very up and down and they were erratic, which most would expect. So I don't think that's a surprise. But that's where we stand. The, the, the quarterback position is an unknown. I think their O-line has a chance to be pretty solid, Ross. I mean, I know, you, you know you, you're close to the Eagles. I think the O-line, you know, assuming Brandon Brooks can play, although I love Landon Dickerson, and right now he's probably viewed as a backup, but I, I love the player on tape. I think he could step in and start and be perfectly fine if he had to. Um, so I think their O-line has a chance to be pretty good, and it was a problem a year ago, as you know. I think no team in the NFL had more offensive line combinations than the Eagles a year ago. Um, the, the question for them is now wide receiver. The last two drafts, they've drafted a wide receiver in the first round, um, Rager and Devonta Smith. I'm sure they expect both to be productive. That's what you expect when you draft a receiver in the first round. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But it all comes back to Jalen Hurts. That's That ultimately is, is the issue. They have Miles Sanders, a quality back. Um, Kenneth Gainwell, I thought, was a great pick because he's a really, really good receiver, and they got him in the fifth round. So there's weapons here. There's a lot of movement pieces on offense with their skill position players, multi-positional guys. So uh, it, it depends on the quarterback. Check him out on social media. He is fantastic, at Greg Cosell. That way you always know where he is. This was awesome. You get the current events, and you get the divisional breakdown. Can't wait for next week. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. You know, Greg, um, there's a couple of cool things about Greg. One is he's a father, and his daughter a lot of times calls him right before we start the show every week. It's so cool. She needs to get him a story from myfrontpagestory.com for Father's Day. It's a couple weeks away. Nobody ever knows what to get, Dad. I'm telling you what to get, Dad. A story from my front page story.com. You guys know how I feel about it. If you if you even saw my social media at Ross Tucker NFL this week, one of you guys, one of the listeners, Jan Lehman, got one for his twin sister who is battling cancer right now. He said she cried tears of joy. 
man, those uh, emails like that make it so worth it. If you got anybody in your life, it could be dad, it could be an anniversary, wedding, whatever. Anybody in your life that that deserves that, get them one. Myfrontpagestory.com. Takes. Morning, Ross. We'll start with uh, longtime NFL kicker Adam Vinatieri retiring after 24 seasons in the NFL. Yeah, we were teammates, Bry, in 2005. And I guess that would have been like his 10th year, maybe. And nobody thought he would go somewhere else. I mean, I was there during the offseason. Everybody assumed he would sign back in Boston with the Patriots in New England in 06. And then he didn't. Then he signed with the Colts. And it was kind of surprising to everybody. And so instead, the Patriots drafted Goskowski, And Vinatieri goes on to play 14 more years. 14 more years. I mean, nobody thought he would play more years somewhere else than he did in New England. Just a ridiculous career. I thought... Greg's point about how it impacts play calling was really interesting. We also have a lot of league news with a new rule for low blocks, new roster cutdown schedule, a new salary cap ceiling of $208 million in 2022. Right. So it's kind of complicated and we can talk with Andrew about it perhaps next week. But what you need to know is, They obviously lost a lot of revenue last year. They didn't go as far down with the cap this year as they should have. But they're not going to go as far up next year as they could because they got to pay back some of the benefits that they weren't able to fund last year for the 2020 season. So all that means is teams can prepare knowing that at most it'll be 208. And my guess is it will be 208. The roster cutdown schedule is interesting, Bri, because they're now essentially having cuts the Tuesday after each of the three preseason games. So after the first preseason game, they go down to 85 on Tuesday. After the second preseason game, they go down to 80 on Tuesday. They need a lot, they need a lot of bodies for that last preseason game, which is why they only go down to 80. Then after the last one, then they'll go down to 53 on the Tuesday after the third preseason game, and then add guys back, you know, via um, practice squad, et cetera. So the teams are going to be thrilled because they don't have to make all these cuts over Labor Day weekend anymore. They get to make them on the Tuesday after the third preseason game. I just think cutting those first five guys after the first preseason game, that's rough. I mean, that's like, first of all, they only get to play in one game, and that means they probably didn't play in it. Secondly, you know, everybody from their hometown, and even they will know, man, I wasn't even close. I was one of the first five guys they cut. I I joked on Twitter, is it just so those guys can feel especially bad about themselves? And then as for uh, the low blocks, they're, they're just every year they're tightening things up on where you can throw these low blocks. Now it's within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And within two yards outside the tackle box on each side. So it's basically a box, it's more similar to college. You used to be able to, to throw them further down the field. Now it's more similar to college. Tux takes. 
lastly, we've got some news uh, and, well, interesting items regarding Spygate and Tom Brady dominating social media yesterday ahead of his golf match with Aaron Rodgers coming up in July. So, yeah, there's an item from Arlen Specter's son that said that Donald Trump called Arlen Specter when Specter was going after the Patriots and the NFL was Spygate because he's a Pennsylvania senator. And Trump called on behalf of Kraft, reportedly, according to Specter's son, to tell him to back off of Spygate. I don't know. I mean, this is the kind of juicy politics meets football stuff that I know people really salivate about. Not really my bag, baby. Um, I, 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 it's hard to imagine that the son would just make it up. But I guess the flip side of that would be maybe there are political reasons. Maybe he doesn't like Trump. And I don't know. Like I said, I don't know. Um, I do know this. Tom Brady is good at everything. His memes and social media comments yesterday, and whether it's him or somebody running his account, it doesn't matter. It's from his account. After this golf thing came out with he and Mickelson against Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers, like a match play thing, kind of like they did last year. I mean, it's really kind of funny. It, it really is. I mean, Brady is awesome at memes and social media. Speaking of awesome, it really is awesome for us when you guys rate and review the show. So please do that. Any of the shows, even Money, Fantasy Feast, College Draft, Business of Sports, any ratings make a difference. And they count as a sponsor confirmation. So I'll read and respond to whatever question you ask me if you rate and review the show. Speaking of that, Brian, let's get to a question. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. Email address is ross at rostucker.com. You guys know the deal. You take advantage of any sponsor or just rate and review the show. Screenshot that or when it's a sponsor, just forward me the confirmation email. Ross at rostucker.com. I love, I don't like, I love answering your questions. Today's question, Ross, would you please put on your GM hat and pretend to replace Howie Roseman for three imaginary years? Tell me what your plan would be over these three seasons to, quote, fix Philly. That is from Alan Rumney. Well, I'd start, Alan, by saying I think they're, they're off to a good start. I think getting rid of the Wentz contract and taking all that pain this year is something I would have done as well if I knew I was moving on from him. And then to stockpile the draft picks that they have for next offseason, to either get a veteran like Rodgers, Wilson, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, or to be able to move up and get a draft choice, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I think they're off to a good start. I think... The other area of focus for me would be the lines. I just don't know how much more you're going to get over the years from Kelsey Brooks and Lane Johnson. You know, Lane Johnson's ankle was a problem last year. Brooks and Kelsey are up there in years. They're big guys. 
So O-line and then D-line, you know, you got Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. They're not getting any younger. So I would invest a tremendous amount of resources, Alan, in the O-line and D-line. And honestly, I, I kind of think they will. I think that's what the Landon Dickerson pick was about. I think the Eagles already see that one way or the other, they're probably going to need Dickerson to start in 2022. And they feel like they got a first-round pick in the second round who will start at center or one of the guard spots, depending on how things shake out. They don't know how where it'll be, but they know they'll need it. Good question, Alan. Really good question. Keep them coming. Ross at RossTucker.com. Shoutouts, patreon.com slash RT Media. Shoutouts to Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, Vision Comics with an X, and humanheadnyc.com. Have a tremendous weekend, everybody. We will have shows on Monday. The Ross Tucker Football Podcast with a guest that you guys requested as well as the College Draft Podcast, breaking down the AFC West. So if you're out grilling or you're traveling on Memorial Day, we will have on-demand audio and video content for you and the entire family. Have a great and safe holiday weekend. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. By the way... If what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.